gotta, I gotta just show you guys this. I don't like this setup right here because this is like this is pretty amazing. Um, I don't know how. Uh, could I uh, share a picture? Welcome to here. Senior Hour on yeah, you, the yeah. computer. This is the yeah. <laughs> I'm on the snipe. <laughs> it's like a oh, yeah, Family it, Guy <laughs> reference. Oh yeah, this this definitely feels a lot like that. Um, <laughs> Bro, I, I, like, uh, I remember the look I would have to give my parents after, like, back in the day, you would restart the compact Rosario. Like, oh, yes. And they were just impressed. Like, he's a wizard. He could do anything. Wait a minute, though. What the fuck happened to compact? Bro, what, what happened to Skype? Skype? Oh, oh Skype fucked up. They fucked up so bad. Bro, they did that was a billion somewhere. dollars. They they, yeah, they missed man. the boat on something. I think it was waveform audio, actually. Well, they they missed a big boat. Uh, also, what happened to Dell? No, Dell's still here, man. They're like a mega performer. They're just like behind the scenes. They're all like oh. corporate fast shit, and I think gaming, which neither do oh, I, I give you a fuck the about. Funky Homo Sapien. What? Oh, what? Yeah, I, I, what? 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 I thought you meant the Funky Homo Sapien. Never Dell the Funky Homo Sapien, Ice Cube's cousin. I had no idea. I love Ice Cube and but I love that soundbite we have of complete dead air and you say funky homo sapien like multiple times. He's a big rapper in the day. Mr. Babalino, Dr. Bombay. Oh, that's Mr. Babalia. I had no idea. Yeah, Mr. Babalino. Yeah, Mr. Babalino. I listen to that song all the time. I had no idea who it was. Okay, so I'm back on track. <laughs> we are totally off base here. <laughs> we really are. Oh, and, and this is just the beginning. Uh, welcome to the Tragedy Academy, a show <laughs> created to bridge societal divides in a judgment-free zone using candor and humor. Today, we are joined by Cam F. Awesome, a former Olympic boxer, motivational speaker, comedian, transformed through life, his life through triumph and adversity. And I'd like to mention as well that he has a mission to help people of all ages tap into their inner strength and achieve their goals. Before we get to you there, Cam, Gary, where are you? I'm in Austin, Texas. Um, I think, yeah, definitely Austin, Texas for a little longer. Gary um, hasn't been on the show in a while. And I, first of all, actually, hello, Cam. How are you doing? <laughs> so, guys, <laughs> I wasn't going to, I wasn't so. going to miss this one. I've got to, I wish I could show you my setup here that I had to put together. Uh, I'm a big fan. A huge boxing guy. Watch the documentary. I've, I've followed your career. So, you know, I'm here uh, in Austin with Jorge Masvidal, who's promoting the Game Bread Boxing for April 1st. Um, but I'm in some shitty Sheridan. It was like $600 a night because I don't know what the fuck's going on here. <laughs> I got struggle. a $500 a day Tesla just to stay in town. And I don't even know where the fuck I parked in excuse my language, but I made it. You're running the cord. He's running the cord into Circle K. Can I plug this in? <laughs> it's, it's about like that. It's about like that. Side note, uh, Gary, dope yes. hat. Oh, thank you. That is a dope he, hat. I got it. 24-7. Uh, like, it is, right? Yeah, Instagram, like, just knows what to sell me and then they get my money and they're like oh yeah you probably want this hand at four in the morning oh, 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 one button oh yeah thank you yeah i have a senior citizen issue with instagram and i feel like everything that's sold on there is from somebody fake 
and I'm going to get some busted ass piece of of apparel. So I'm terrified to spend the money and get that shirt that's shaped like a fucking parallelogram with one sleeve. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't want that I got kind like of, of those. life. Exactly. Here's uh, not to be a downer already, <laughs> but I stopped using social media because here. So every morning I post a positive affirmation on Twitter. I screenshot it and I share it on my stories. So I'm active every day, but I don't scroll social media. Because after I figured out what Chad GBT is, <laughs> I realized 97% of Twitter are bots arguing with 3% of other idiots. And I was a part of the idiots. And I was like, ah, I'm going to stop this. Want to get an election to sway? Stick some bots in there that have actual character that can write responses back and forth. And we'll argue with, here's what they took advantage of, the ignorance of a group of people who had recently come into technology and believe a picture is worth a thousand words. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's why I'm like chat GBT there. They're the AI is so smart and I'm already so dumb. I will buy everything. <laughs> there's, there's studies that show the use of AI in just customer return conversations where they have gotten the bots influential enough to get the person to buy the next model up when they were trying to return the one that was broken, the model down. What does that tell you? Because you have to think about all the psychoanalytics that it has available to it. Right now it's at 2021. That's an infinite amount of fucking data. And it has a lot better chance of connecting the dots than I ever will. I need to start writing motivational speeches for robots. Yeah, so they don't kill us. Because Terminator 2 is some real shit. It's it's getting pretty close. Yeah, it... Uh, I'm sure like uh, every generation thinks the world's going to end next generation. Damn, rock and uh, roll. Yeah, rock <laughs> and roll. The newspaper, the printing press. Gutenberg was There's... getting his ass kicked for spreading the word. Yeah. We used to have those Cold War drills, though, where they used to make you hide under your desk because a nuclear bomb was supposed to go off. I'm like, I oh, this that is really shit. fucking sweet hey, Cleveland here's... School District desk and save you from nukes. Here's why I think they did that. I think they did that to scare children into being socialized into thinking that the Russians are bad people so you guys can join the military as soon as possible to fight for our country. Every movie in the 80s was us versus the Ruskies. Like, communism versus democracy? Dude, they they literally had a sickle and a hammer pounding the propaganda into our head that we would believe who they were. Like, metaphorically and literally almost. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, I just punch people. It it tends to be a better way to do things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, there's so much to know about the world and every, I know so little, but like, I have this thing where my opinions are very strong. Mm, That's called awareness and discernment. You don't have to be the holder of all the knowledge. You have to be able to see who's giving you real knowledge. Yeah, but there's so much information. Uh, And everyone's faking the funk. Everybody is faking the funk. So why don't you tell us who you are? Give us a quick backstory and then uh, we can go from there. 
Oh, uh, so uh, my name's Cam, and uh, I'm currently in Kansas City. I'm a former Olympic boxer, uh, turned uh, speaker. I don't know how I feel about the term motivational speaker. Uh, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, when someone says they're spiritual. Ah, yeah, those are those are buzzwords. They hurt certain sets of ears. Yeah, and it hurts my ears, yep. and it's what I do. I'm just like, uh, I'm more of a, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For the record, that's how it's uh, it's it's put out there over time, is that you're, you know, not, what's the word I'm looking for, that your profession now is to motivate people into being better humans. And I get exactly yeah. what you're saying. It's such a dirty word now because it's 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 kind of got a connotation of I'm chasing the almighty dollar by guiding you down some weird ass path that you're not going to fucking use at the end of the day. Yeah. 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 And then also I have a lot of old school thinking, which I know is completely outdated and we should do things like value mental health. And uh, I'm kind of like, go hard. How hard until your toenails fall off? Man, dude, your toenails that's coming it. off is brutal. Yeah, but you got to go like that's that's what separates a lot of people these days. Like no one wants to work at all. It's like, yeah, so this is how this is how this is how. OK, everything's perspective. I saw this thing with a. Uh, Trevor Noah mentioned, like, Trevor Noah, the comedian, he grew up in, like, uh, Africa, like, in poverty and, and like, really poor. And they asked him, was like, how was it, like, growing up poor? And he's like, oh, we didn't think we were poor. We knew how people in India were living. And it was like, oh, oh. everything's just perspective. It is. America is so great. America is so great that our homeless people have cell phones. Yeah, I, that is, I'm, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't so have cell phones. I'm not no, saying they shouldn't right. have cell phones. What I'm saying is that is where our bar is in America. We are killing it. Like poverty is $12,000 a year here. To be in the 1% on earth is 34000 Like our lifestyle of living is so high that we, we don't have anything to reference it with. Right. So what we think is hard really isn't hard. Like my parents are immigrants. I can't complain about certain things to them. 100%. So I, I have that work ethic. I have that immigrant work ethic like built into me. I couldn't it's, relate it's, it's anymore. generational too. I grew up, uh, I, I talk about it all the time. I grew up in a uh, dairy house out in the middle of a field with no front door and the windows were boarded shut. Um, a lot of times we had a cooler, no refrigerator. And I used to dig septic drain fields for school clothes money. And it fucking sucked. But there was somebody in another set of houses that we knew had it fucking worse than us. Every time. Be like, mm. man, at least we're not them. Which that's kind of yeah. a human thing to do. Because that's how we're we, human. We, we will metaphorically use somebody in water like a drowning person. We will push them down. In order to keep ourselves above water, no matter what, and we will continue to do it with no regard and not realizing that they're going to die because you held them underwater 
and there's still somebody on your shoulders. It's a human that ladder. I'm five, I'm, five, yeah. I'm five foot four. Like, I got to do that sometimes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude. Yeah. You know, like, there's schools at, like, some resorts that I can't walk in the, you know, the other end. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, we have your water wings. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to have to grab those. You know, the little duck one that goes, I might have to rock that. <laughs> Bro, I'd rock the duck one now just because it'd be cool. Yeah. I'm Wouldn't bother me at all. Swimming's not a thing that we do too much there. I yeah. am not, I'm not, I'm trying to get my hair wet, so I'm cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> nope. yeah. Everybody has their uh, things that they like to do and things that they don't like to do. And uh, for this particular uh, episode, you like to box, my man, and give people inspirational uh, tidbits of information to help make their lives better rather than motivation. Uh, well, <laughs> let me explain how I got in this situation. There we go. Okay. Uh, started boxing at 16. Uh, thought I was getting terribly bullied, but I was just getting normal, like teenage stuff, but also I had severe anxiety and I didn't know what anxiety was. So, like, that freaked me out. And I thought if I learned how to fight, I could, like, think life would get better. Mm. So, join the boxing gym to lose weight and just, like, gain confidence. And I, I didn't want to fight. I had no, I had no, no thought of actually sparring and I got in great shape. I was just jumping rope. I taught myself how to box. Uh, and because I, I was, I made it clear that I wasn't there to fight. No one coached me or taught me anything. So when I saw someone do something, I just like mimicked it and I got in great shape and they were like, Hey, you're in better shape than everybody. Do you want to spar? And I was like, Oh, my mom won't let me. And then everyone laughed. I was like, I'm joking. Just joking. I'll give my mouthpiece. And I was so afraid to get hit that my only thing was defense. And I quickly realized that most, like most got most big guys are dumb uh, because they just think, oh, I'm strong. And they don't value any of the actual skill. They're just thinking about their strength. And I realized, oh, if I'm in better shape than, because I weighed about 200 pounds, I fought at 201 plus. So I gained a couple pounds just so I can fight guys who were like 6'8". Because Oof. the guy who's 6'8", he's not running three or four miles every morning. So my thought process in boxing is if I just run from somebody for, for the entire round and get them tired, then I just punch them a few times and I win. And I did that in sparring. And I was like, once I realized that, I was like, oh, I can be the number one boxer in the country. Easy. And within two years, I became number one. And after I won my first national championship, uh, so I, I, I went to college just because I found out you can get like $1,700 for books with a Pell Grant. <laughs> Been there, man. <laughs> so, uh, I did two semesters of community college and, uh, and of course I didn't go to any of the classes, but, uh, when, when I won my first national championship, something hit me. I was like, if, if Jay, if you have a marketing degree, right. And I have a national championship. If you have like an associate's degree and I have a national championship and we go for the same job, who do you think is going to get it? If it's a car dealership, you. Otherwise, oh, Even a marketing. Me. Okay. So let's say you have a four-year degree and I have- car dealerships will hire any athlete that they think will get them a car oh, no, no. sale. That's anyone the only reason I said that. Will, and anyone will hire any athlete. Oh, okay. Because well, if, if, 
here's my, my, my thought process. If you have a four-year degree and I have four national championships and we go for the job, oh, you're getting it. Now, yeah. what happens if I have eight national championships? You're in it twice. When I got to 14 national championships, I was like, oh, I'm never going to have to work a route. Like, I can do whatever I want career-wise. So when I started boxing, my thought process was just win a bunch of stuff. Because my, my goal was I wanted a TV show. So after you win your first national championship in 2008, like, they give you a piece of paper, height, weight, reach. The last question was, what do you want out of boxing? Some people put heavyweight championship. Some people put millions of dollars. Some people put Olympic gold medal. I put to have to be a good role model and to have my own TV show. That was my answer. It's still up there now for some reason. So my thought process was I'd win nationals. I'd go to the Olympics, whether I medal or not. I do some crazy interviews. I become famous. I get my own TV show. I could be a performer because I just wanted to perform. Uh, and that's why I took the approach with boxing. I treat it as an entertainment thing. Uh, I wore capes. I wore skirts. I flipped into the ring. I did dances. It, I didn't care about winning as much as I cared about being entertaining. And like I won a bunch, so that also helped. Uh, and in 2012, I won the Olympic trials. The plan was going well. I won nationals every year. Now it's 2012. I won the Olympic trials. And then I leave the country and then don't tell the drug testing agency. And they show up to give me a random drug test. And I wasn't there. Missed drug test is a positive drug test. This happened three times in 18 months. Now, this wasn't a real offense. It happens all the time. But it was a few months after Lance Armstrong went on Oprah. And they made an example mm -hmm. out of a few athletes. I happened yeah, to be one sucks. of them. Got suspended and kicked off the Olympic team. Yeah, it's bullshit. That's so painful. Yeah. The plan was going... Everything was going perfect. And also, by the way, I don't even like boxing. Like, I don't watch it. If, if my friend is, if, if a friend is fighting, I'll show up and I support. But like, I don't really, I'm not really into it. Uh, I just found something I was good at. And I was like, I'm going to have this allow me to be a performer. And <laughs> then in 2012, it kind of threw me for a loop because I put everything I had into boxing. Like, I, I didn't go to college. I had no skills. I didn't know how to do anything. And I just had to eat that year suspension, sit around, do nothing. And I realized I had no ability outside of boxing. And this is when I made a decision. When I returned to boxing, I'm going to flip it. Now, boxing took everything from me. Now I'm going to take as much as I possibly can from boxing. I'm changing my last name to Awesome for many reasons. Uh, but one of them is I'm embodying this personality. Changing your last name to awesome is essentially a face tattoo. You're committed to whatever the hell you're doing at that point. There's yeah, no going it's, back. It's also an asshole filter. Because anybody that just fucking can't stand your last name or a tattoo under your eye is going to be somebody that has some judgmental problem that you can fucking avoid at the drop of a fucking dime. That is a great point. That's, that's, that's another great point to it. Uh, so changed my last name to awesome. I decided I was going to go balls deep into boxing. I was going to fully commit myself, but I was also going to work on a plan for outside of sports. So as I'm boxing, I'm going to be building a runway for my career after sports. So I started doing stand up in 2012 while I was suspended because I was like, I wanted to be a performer. I thought I was going to get it through boxing. 
that didn't work out. I was like, why am I not performing? I'm boxing. I'm doing all this boxing. I'm not actually doing what I want to do. So I started doing stand up in 2012, started performing. Uh, you, I don't know if you know how, how it works. They don't care how funny you are. They care how many tickets you can sell. Mm. Yep. And I wasn't exactly funny, but I could sell tickets. So I got to perform a lot and I was terrible. But in like, in hindsight, I could see that, but I got a lot of stage time and I got better, but I started to perform at, I got to do Laugh Factory, Funny Bones, Improv. I did comedy clubs all over the country, but the most I've ever made featuring was $40 in a bar tab. And being a broke athlete, I didn't want to be a broke comic too. Uh, mm. Then I realized there was a lane for, because uh, when you do open mics, uh, you perform at a bar and no one at the bar is there for comedy. So they're not there to listen to you. No one's listening to you. You yeah. wait three hours to perform five minutes of comedy. <laughs> it's the least so, favoring uh, crowd. Bro, it is <laughs> terrible. So uh, my coach uh, in 2008, after I won my first national championship, some dude reached out to me. He was like, hey, I'll coach you for free. I'll move you to Kansas City. Uh, I'll let you live at my house for a year for free and I'll give you a car. Uh, in exchange, you speak at all the high schools and middle schools in the area, uh, in basically in the hood, and get kids to join the nonprofit gym keep, to keep kids off the street. And I'm like, that's a great deal. Win-win. He, he owned Ringside, the boxing equipment company. So he said, what do you need to win? And I was like, oh, I would have won more national championships already. I just can't afford to get there. And because I was working at Waffle House and he's like, if I pay for you to go to nationals, you you'll win. I was like, yes. And that's why I won so many national championships. It's because he just funded me to go to all these tournaments to, to fight. And in exchange, I would speak at schools and get kids to join the gym. Uh, and he obligated this to me even when I left. If I went to Texas to fight. I would have to go speak at schools in Texas and do that. That was our, our deal. When I got tired of doing open mic nights, I just started doing clean comedy at the end of the speeches, like seven minutes to kids to work on new material. And I realized they liked that better than they liked the actual speech. So I started to infuse comedy into my speaking and created like a motivational humor. Basically, that's the genre that I'm working on. It's not a real genre yet, but I'm working on it. Yeah. Humor is an amazing tool for communicating the, the most sensitive topics in a manner where it can't put somebody on the carpet, but gives them a moment to contemplate once they leave. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Trojan horse too. You mm. know, it's like you're laughing, but you're, you're, you know, all of a sudden you realize you've been taught something or you're learning something or you're getting a different perspective and you're not really paying attention to it because it's funny. Or finding out yeah. it's you. Yeah. 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 If, if you're laughing, you're listening. If you're listening, you're learning. If you're learning, I did my job. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, li I like how boxing, you know, like it led to performing, which led to comedy, which it's, it's an it's a end around way to get to where you wanted to go. But, you know, good thing you're, you got a defensive boxer because if you weren't, you would got took a lot more shots. <laughs> Yeah, dude, to get to that, to that end, you know, and, yeah. But but look, look how crazy I look though, because like constantly my entire career after I won my first national championship, they're like, "Are you turning pro?" 
And I was like, no, I don't even like boxing. It's not where I want to commit the rest of my life to. I just want to do this Olympic thing. After 2012, after I got suspended, they're like, I guess you're going to turn pro now. But I had this plan in my head of where I am right now. This is exactly where I thought I would be. But I thought this would have happened a lot sooner. But this, this is why I stuck with the plan. And that's why I ended up having over 400 boxing matches. Because the, the plan was to transition into, uh, into a performing career. And then uh, after I returned to boxing, uh, Netflix documented it. I got a documentary called Counterpunch that kind of documents the story from 2013 to 2016. Win the Olympic trials to represent the U.S., lose an international competition. Uh, so I didn't get to go to Rio. And they're like, are you going to turn pro now? And I'm like, no, I, I still don't like it. It's 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 a means to end. Granted, I love what boxing has done for me. I love the people I've met in boxing. I love the sport itself. It's just not something I want to. It's it's not my passion. It, it's one of my passions. It's just not up there. It's not what I want to do. Here's why I don't want to do it for the rest of my life. Because I'm broke. Okay, at, in my 20s, I was working at Waffle House when I started boxing. I knew if I, even if I turned pro and I became a successful boxer and I made millions of dollars and retired at 38, with, with that money that I made, my lifestyle of living will increase. And then after I, I'm able to make millions of dollars at 38, what am I doing from 40 on up? There's no longevity in that career. You got to be setting, you know, I, I talk to the young fighters every day about this is starting to set things up well before you know you retire because that acl could blow out anything could happen tomorrow and you're currently over at 22 let alone 32 or 42 so yeah let me tell you about that yeah april i woke up i don't know if you can tell my eyes are two different sizes uh woke up i haven't boxed in two years woke up with a detached retina i've had one can't box no more i retired on my own accord but if but you can be 22 in the prime of your life, wake up with a detached retina, and that's your career. Yeah. What's your backup plan? Athletes don't nature. realize how irrelevant they are after they retire. We think like we're athletes. Everyone loves us. Now, as soon as you retire, you're irrelevant immediately. So I kind of want to gloss over a few things that um that you mentioned throughout your story and i would be remiss not to mention that last week i interviewed uh chancellor jackson he was a former d1 athlete football player for stetson university turned um writer after a critical moment in his life where he was caught smoking weed in china and had to do 14 days in a beijing prison however the gentleman is extremely gifted at writing, is now writing creative fiction romance novels that he would have never made an attempt at after he started when he wrote a book about his 14 days in Beijing. What it was like to be arrested in a foreign country, to be held against, you know, his will for something so minor and an infraction that people now have legal here, that kind of thing. And his passion is not football. His passion was being a creator 
and then becoming a motivational speaker or whatever word you want to use for it himself. He teaches other people how to write and things of that nature. And it's similar to your story in that there is an on-your-knees moment. Whether it's by your own accord or not, kind of a similar situation in that he wasn't really doing shit, but he was doing shit, (laughs) if that makes sense. But it's not what's happening. It's the moment that we hit the ground, that we realize that we are going to return to the original authentic self that we were when we were a child that we wanted to do from day one, that some people have the beauty of finding a way to utilize the machine to fund their dreams by way of a talent. That's you, my friend. That is what the dream is either one of two things. It's either find your passion and get paid for it, or it's find your passion and a job that'll support it. Because otherwise, you will not be fulfilled. I love that. I love that. Uh, Have you read The Four Agreements? I think like fucking forever ago. It's an old book, right? Yeah, yeah. I've I've read it uh, quite a few times and it just... Basically, the concept is, and they don't explain it like this, but this is the way I explain it. Uh, when you're born, you're tofu, just you're bland. Mm. You have nothing. You're, and then your parents and society, they season you. They put their expectations on you. Mm-hmm. That's why you hear a six-year-old say they want to be a doctor. They know what the hell a doctor does, yep. but they know that that makes their parents happy. So then they chase this dream of becoming a doctor. And now they're 28 years old. They finally become a doctor. And they're like, dad, do you love me now? I'm a doctor. And their dad's like, what? I don't care if you're a doctor. <laughs> Whoops. And then their life is just now they're stuck in this position where they developed all this at debt. They're, they've learned all this information and their life is already on track to be a doctor. Do they change? Do you just restart your life over again? Or do you just accept that this is what life is? Some people need a catalyst for that change. Um, I've had a similar scenario. I used to be a solution architect for some of the largest consulting firms in the world working internationally. Also, like I said earlier, dug septic fields in between, did some army, you know, and what I found out was I was told to shut up as a kid a lot. I was told not to act out that what I was doing was annoying, that I was just fucking a horrible kid for being who I was. Fast forward, my fucking job is being annoying on a microphone to a captive audience. Now I'm in your fucking ears, right? But I couldn't be happier because now I've ca- I can captivate people again, but I can captivate people with all of the experience that I've in- obtained over all the years and actually put out a worthwhile message. The message that I have now does not look the same if I'm in front of a microphone at fucking 18 years old, because I can tell you now it wouldn't going to be anything that was going to change the world in a great way. (laughs) Not that this is doing that, but it is an attempt at it. So 
I would argue that you'd need every single trial, tribulation, stub toe, fucked up scenario. However, you just don't rate them. You put them down yeah. as checks on the resume to be able to stand up in front of, in front of people and run your suck. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we're, we're anti-fragile. The more we go through, the stronger we become. It's true. Boxing is a tough way to get there, though, especially okay, 400 man. fights and, and the rounds in the gym. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, I grew up doing a little bit of boxing and I've been around, the, you know, the fighting game my whole life. And, you know, it, it's a, I'm around a lot of really successful fighters that hate fighting. And, you know, they usually make it to just almost to the cusp of the big show. But you got to love it to be all in all the time. You have to have the talent. The determination, and I think you have to love it or hate it so much. Uh, but I think it's a, uh, it's, it's tough. I've, some of the best, most talented people I've met going through the Ultimate Fighter and, you know, especially in the UFC have just fucking hated it and they just didn't want to do it, but they were good at it and it was the best way to make money. So it's, uh, it's tough to get that far and, uh, hate it. It's the same as any job. You're a solution architect, me doing, you know, a bunch of, reality TV shows and shit that I've had to do to get to where I can do the ones I want to do. Seems like it's a good thing. It makes money. People Great. like you, but mm. you still could fucking suck and you could hate it. You know, oh, what, whatever the job is that you can have, everyone Bro. has complaints. And, 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 yeah, and I, I feel shitty saying I, I, I don't necessarily hate boxing. I just don't love it. Uh, but I did love dominating. Let me tell you what I love. I love taking another man's soul. And that's, uh, I dubbed mm -hmm. that from a guy named Jeremiah Graziano. That's when, when I'm fighting someone and they know, they know I'm better than them. Cause after the first round, you know what's up. I know they know I'm better than them. They know I know though I'm better than them. And at the third round, usually, or late in the second round, they come to terms with it. And it's like an involuntary exhale. It's like, that's their soul leaving their body. That is the greatest feeling that you can feel because you've conquered someone mentally and they're just stuck in the ring. And usually these guys are too big that I can't normally hurt them because they have 40, 50 pounds on me, but I just get to damage a grown man. And I know that his wife and his kids are somewhere watching and that just makes me feel good. I have no ring time, but I do have a similar feeling that I used to get in the army and it just you, you like you hit the liberty bell in my head when you explained what that was you know stealing a man's soul right i used to do ruck marching a lot and one What's of the, that? uh ruck marching in the army is basically putting a fucking big pack of shit on your back and going 12 miles or 6 miles or whatever how many miles and I That's used awesome. to do like some competitions and stuff for the units I was with and we won some things, but something always happened on those ruck marches. I can't beat myself. That's impossible. But if I can beat you, then I'm going to win. So what I would do is use people as my way of winning. So I would take their will in the beginning. It didn't even matter if we were actually racing, right? We could be all on the same team. 
and I would take off. Instant kill, right? That's a motivation kick in the junk, right? Because this guy is already balls to the wall. Get far enough away where I can damn near puke and walk for a while, right? Decent pace. Here comes Johnny Wingnuts. He's been doing <laughs> his determination road for the last, like, 20 minutes. I'm on his radar. Oh. I'm getting bigger in his fucking eyesight. He is having his Rudy moment. And then I've already been walking for fucking 20 minutes. Caught every single bit of my lunch back up. I'm good. So what am I going to do? My fucking sprint again. After this son of a bitch went for 20 minutes at what he felt was a determined pace to get the guy was fucking hands down done. At that moment, you could just feel you saw them in your rear view mirror just go down to a trot. Just, and then do a walk. Because they're like, fuck, it's over. And it wasn't yeah. these people don't even know that they were in this game with me. That, that is the, <laughs> that is the mental mental part of boxing that uh, that gave me an advantage to win at, at such a small size. So one of the things I would do, uh, just breaking someone's spirit is basically, yep. it's so I'm, I'm Southpaw. When a guy throws their jab, first thing in the fight, and I practice this the most, so I'm super comfortable with it. Guy throws a jab, I slip it, I throw an uppercut. He throws a jab again, slip it, throw an uppercut. Throws a jab again, slip it, throw an uppercut. The fourth time he throws a jab, I slip it. He closes his eyes because he knows the uppercut's coming. Oh. And then when he opens his eyes, it's just me smiling. Now he knows if he throws that punch again, I'm going to hit him with an uppercut. So he stops throwing that. An another thing I do mentally to mess up with a guy before a fight, even think about fighting me forever. It's fight time. You got your headphones on with your playlist. You your shadow boxing. Your gloves are on. Your coach takes off your headphones. You're walking towards the ring. Your music is playing. You get a tap on your shoulder. Who is it? It's me. Hey, man. I just wanted to say, I know you've been training for this. So have I. I just want to say good luck tonight. Now, he knows, it's, he knows it's not genuine. I know he knows it's not genuine. But we all know that sportsmanship is a part of the judging system. So he has to hug me back. I just ruined his ring walk. Now, I go back, and now it's my time to do my ring walk. What's my ring song? It's the national anthem. Sneaky. It's the worst song Did ever. Just describe this, though. You're literally giving yourself legendary status right in front of this motherfucker, walking in like Rocky. You might as well, you could be, you could be doing either Apollo Creed or Rocky right now. He's a villain. So, and no, actually, I'm the villain because now everyone has because the, the to the audience, this is huh. a troll. Because think about it, so everyone's drinking. It's the time of the night. You already heard the national anthem. His music is something pumped. Everyone's pumped up. There's an energy in the room. Oh, okay. And now then I'm everyone has to stop. <laughs> stop talking. Put their drink down. Stand up and pay attention to me. Yeah, it sucks. The entire <laughs> energy of the room is ruined. Some, some old veteran behind you hitting you with a hat. Shut up. The national anthem's on. Yeah. It's on Put twice. over your heart, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're fucking drunk. You fucking teed <laughs> off already? I fucking love this, dude. Okay, now and, I'm on board. 
and and the thing is, you already heard that song already. Once is enough. <laughs> but now there's an awkward tension in the room. And then the when the music stops, do you it's it's so weird. It's a weird feeling. He's not prepared for that. But I am. I do this every time I have the opportunity. <laughs> that's like yeah, coming that's... out to the party theme song. Oh, yeah. Like, people don't realize. People come out to dumb shit all the time, and people, like, don't see that as a strategy. But, like, Tom Lawler in the UFC, they uh, come out to, like, oh, Mickey, you're so fine, or, like, shit like that. And, like, didn't just he come out in a dog collar music. and a chain once? Like yeah, somebody walked him did. into the ring or something like that? Or I knew one yeah, of those dudes did. And like Dennis Hallman used to fight in a Speedo and like that just throws you <laughs> off. <laughs> like, you know, he throws up a triangle and his left nuts hanging out, pressing against your eyeball. Yeah. That's my home defense technique. I sleep naked. Nobody <laughs> wants to fight a guy after they break in with no clothes on. It's, it's a fucking huge turnoff when the dude running back at you no pants on. <laughs> And if I really want to fuck with his head, I'll just wear a t-shirt and then no pants. He fucking won't really understand. Like, like a four-year-old boy. <laughs> yeah, like or keep picking it right at him with my knuckles <laughs> up. <laughs> How do you fucking it's like a cartoon that? bear? <laughs> a cartoon yeah. bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd probably just light your house on fire at that point. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I love Speedo guy. God, how did I not know this? No, you can't. Oh, yeah. They got the UFC oh, got pissed about that after he did it a couple times. You're like, hey, this is fucking embarrassing. <laughs> the thing is, like, that's the whole idea of the sport is supposed to be entertaining. Uh, so I used to wear pink, uh, a pink skirt that said I heart boobs. But then I slapped breast cancer ribbons on the side. And I was selling shirts for like breast cancer and donating the money. But I thought it'd be cool to wear the pink trunks and I wear capes as well. Uh they changed the rule at USA Boxing that you can't enter the ring with extra apparel. Yeah, uh, that's the cable rule. <laughs> yeah. So uh, after I after you. I win, yeah, after I win, after they announce me the winner, then I can reach outside, then put the cape on because then they can't disqualify me anymore. Oh, then I'm fake Supermaning around the fucking ring because you took it away from me before it. Like I will like send you the pictures. <laughs> did you did you do that? A hundred percent. God, I love you, man. the The way that you approach life is exactly how you're supposed to do it. Mimic the fuck out of it. Make it fucking just a big stage. Use it for what you want to use it for. Actually, I do have a curiosity question. While you don't have the passion for boxing that say you do for the theatrics and the love of entertainment and being, you know, someone that can give back in that way. Are you a wrestling fan? I'm talking about yes. like WWF, E, AEW. Uh, I'm a, I was a WWF fan. Uh, as it changed WWE, uh, then I, I no longer had cable and I travel a lot and oh, I yeah. fell off, but like The Rock, uh, Mankind, Mick Foley, whoever he happened to be at the time, uh, Rakishi, like that, too cool. That was my error. And I took the approach of, uh, yeah, I, I want to be, first of all, I want to be a superhero. And because I don't have superpowers, the closest thing is like a wrestler. So the problem is I wish I had more of a budget 
to like have ring entrances because I was just broke trying the best I can. One time I was in Ukraine and I wanted to have a cool ring entrance. There were background, like there were two dancers. They had two girls who would dance you to the ring. Uh, and I ignored them and I did a whole dance by myself. And then I had, I jumped on the boxer's arm and I had him carry me halfway to the ring like a baby. <laughs> and then he placed me down and then I jumped on another boxer's back and he gave me a piggyback ride to the ring. And then I <laughs> jumped over the top rope, flipped over and then landed and was like, ta-da, one fucking guy in the audience made eye contact with Everyone else was silent. It was not your crowd. I'm sure yeah, it was the, like the, I love that uh, guy uh, though. I want to meet him. Boxing guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, oh. the video is still on Instagram. Yes. Oh, I'm please. Sh- we'll share the link in our show notes for sure. The oh, theatrics like, are amazing. It isn't like boxing's just old fucking crusty white dudes that hate everything and want nothing to change. So you had to fucking make them so mad. Oh, that, so I, I was, I was on the board of directors for USA boxing for like eight years. Why? Because after they changed the rule, I was like, well, where do they make the rules? They're like the board of directors and all the athletes loved me. So I made them all vote for me and I became the athlete rep and I started changing all the rules again. You know how many times where they tried to suspend me off the team? Because when we leave the country, if if we go to Italy, I'm not not going to a nightclub in Italy. I'm in my 20s. So I would get caught sneaking out and stuff, and they would try, they would have to bring this decision to the board to reprimand me. I am the board. Huh. That's a smart move. Yeah. Like, don't do that again. I won't. I won't. <laughs> that, that's legit. I that's legit. That. Was my reason for joining. Uh, for joining the board, is just because I, I think they were they're making dumb rules uh, that was making boxing boring. And uh, yeah, yeah, boxing's boxing's worst enemy for sure. It always has been. I yes. think they, they they've never been able to get out of their own way. Yeah, you know, it's they they're, they don't progress. Uh, they can't agree with each other. You know, it's, it's always been the worst. Uh, oh, egos. Yeah. Real big egos. Uh, I dropped uh, that in the chat box, by the way. Excellent. I'm going to watch it live time. So one was the, the cape and uh, I to lose power. We were on a tight operation here. In a bit. I love it. I have the worst uh, setup here ever. Bro, I, I know uh, the struggle. Bro, you're uh, here. That in and of itself is amazing because you have the worst travel luck on the planet. Uh, I've had some this time, uh, but I made it. But I definitely have been stranded in a few places. I have no idea where my suitcase from the amazing. last leg is. Um, oh, it's, oh, it's in the chat. Bro. That is amazing. People could take a page from your book. They really could in that you don't take life as serious as life is trying to take you. You mock it a lot 
And I feel like one of the things that maybe inadvertently or possibly on purpose is that you're showing people that their ego or mask is just as nonsensical as the one that you're bringing into the ring. Equal, if not better, because one's controlled by passion and can overpower the ignorance that is business, corporate world, lawyer world, whatever the fuck world it is that they've made. I feel like wrestling or showmanship like this has been a huge middle finger to that world for a long time and those egos. Bro, the F in my name, because I couldn't be Cam Fawesome because I had the foresight to know I was going to be a role model. Uh, so I just changed my middle name to the letter F. I got it. That F, that F is the fuck you. I love it. I love it. It's loud. Yet quiet. It yeah, it's falls like, out so, on the right ears. It hits the yeah, right eyes. The right, pe- the right people know. <laughs> yeah, and, and the right and people are the, right. It's not that serious. Yeah. Oh, it's life's name. It's a yeah, goddamn life's not that name. Serious. It's a name, but it it's so reality is so fragile, and the path that humans take that a set of letters in a certain configuration that are handed to you at birth could dictate whether or not you get an education, whether or not you play sports, whether or not you're taken seriously in relationships, all sorts of things in advance. Yeah, if your name is Cinnamon, I'm sorry. You know, <laughs> there's, 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 there's no Dr. Cinnamons out there. Dr. Cinnamon. She's great. last name. Dr. Yeah. Cinnamon sounds creepy <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, that's, that's, not, that's not all good right there. <laughs> Any guy that gives out sweets is not the fucking list. <laughs> I didn't picture Dr. Cinnamon being a dude. Exactly. Yeah, that's I what I either. said. Any guy giving yeah. out sweets is a fucking no-go. Especially yeah, if that's, that's, that's next to the stage. That's all day. Next to the stage is <laughs> But it's true, man. And it's so sad that we allow something to become that. And in reality, there are beacons of hope out there that go against the grain that say, no, I'm me. And I'm going to be whatever the fuck I want to be. And you're going to respect that. Because I'm being me. I'm not even going to fucking throw it down your throat. You're just going to love the fact that somebody else is doing that in front of you. And if you don't, it's because you're too scared to do it yourself. Simple as that. It, it, you, you mentioned that uh, like when, when uh, it's a good filter. Uh, when someone doesn't like that my name is awesome, uh, it, it's usually because of their own personal insecurity. Uh, 100%. And they're miserable. And for me, for them to like me, I would also need to be miserable. Uh, so it's either they like me or I'm miserable. They like me and I'm miserable or they don't like me and I'm happy. And there are like 8 billion people. Uh, I, I don't need everyone to like me. You got to no. stay. That, that, yeah, go ahead. Man. I was going to say, like, that's a good, uh, uh, you know, the face tat you always talk about, like, and these ways that people are going to judge you, that keeps shitting people away. 
you know, if they don't like you because your name's awesome, they're not probably awesome themselves. And you kept them away from you like without even having to do anything. So I think yeah. it's good. Here's the thing. You did what every child, when they first became aware of the word awesome, wanted to fucking do. Why do we, why do we stop? Right? Why, why do you not? We're all adults and we stop trying to be that person. Social conditioning. Humans take it on. My analogy is a roller coaster. You're born on it and you're taking your fucking cues from somebody else steering that was born on it as well. Nobody knows where the roller coaster came from. It's a fucking, yes. it's a fucking nightmare. And you're just rolling around out there when in all reality, you're on a fucking truck. You aren't steering shit. Yeah, enjoy you the ride. You could have been fucking sitting back with your feet up, sli- sipping champagne, watching it go by versus trying to fake steer that bitch with that stick in the front, screaming, grinding, crying. I fucking picked left. Left would have made me happy. My whole life would have been better. I'm going to live every right turn wishing I went left for the rest of my life. I'm going to cry about it. Motherfucker, dude. That's the way you were going to go whether you wanted it or not. You have imaginary fucking diarrhea right now. Not really got it. It's been a pretty bad morning. (laughs) (laughs) You're, You're not having the greatest morning. (laughs) <laughs> this this is a this is a good morning. This, there, there's there's other mornings like, bro. Hey, I'm doing something that I love to do, and I love it. a suspect uh, Sheraton, but it's <laughs> not that bad. It's in a good hotel uh, a couple nights ago. The camera um, you're using is dope. Are you uh, are you that, using that is the, my iPhone? Is it really? So you're using it as a webcam yep. now. I know that's a new feature. Yeah, and you I, flipped uh, it. I, I I sent you a picture. Of my setup, I texted to you earlier because I couldn't oh, figure out how to do it in the chat. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> On the night, it's oh uh, my god, dude! Pretty... <laughs> I uh, I'm in charge of multiple ten plus million dollar television. I'm just gonna shows. hold it up to the camera for you because I don't know how else to describe this. Tell me if you can see that. No, no, you're 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 yeah. uh, fuzzy. His okay, his so connection is I great. Your connection this... is bad. It's it's oh, a podcast. Who's, who's bad? Don't even fucking ever say that again. To me. <laughs> Swear to God, I'm gonna punch my coffee. Because <laughs> no, gonna... I got an old broken iPhone six and uh, internet at the hotel. And he's I, got it fucking taped to a coffee cup above his fucking laptop. Respect, fucking. That's called field Respect. expedient. Yeah, that's the way you're that's supposed to operate. Tape fixes everything. Adapt and overcome. Uh-huh. Oh, you should tell him your million-dollar idea with gaff tape. You don't remember Mine? it. Yeah. I do not. I get okay. hit in the head. I don't, I'm not a defensive boxer. like our <laughs> <laughs> I lead with my face. I think it was to <laughs> assist the LGBTQ community. Oh, the tuck tape. Oh, it's not tape. gaff tape. Yeah, it's not gaff tape. It's K-tape. Because they were using duct tape to uh, secure the jewels when they would perform. Um, and I was like, that sounds terrible. And then I was at the, uh, I was at the UFC performance Institute after I learned that and they were taping people up to go into battle. And they said, that shit sticks, but comes right off and doesn't hurt. Right. They're like, yes. So now if you are a performer that needs to secure some certain things, go to the tuck tape.com and you don't have to use duct tape anymore. 
Hey, is this a real product yet? This is a real product. Nice. But <laughs> it has real world application. Those are situations that should not have to be endured. Like, all I thought about immediately when you said duct tape was the aftermath. But it's aftermath. Everything was the aftermath. So, uh, one year for Halloween, uh, I I went as uh, uh, Sanka from Cool Runnings. (gasps) I love you. And... I I wore a spandex like just like uh kind of like men like jog like a a unitard spandex of some pants. sort yeah in a it was like an Under Armour all black uh athletic pants all black top and I put green duct tape I just wrapped green duct tape around my the outfit itself because that's a brilliant cheap idea I went to Hobby Lobby I got green tape and yellow tape and I made the Cool Runnings outfit. It was dope. Do you know that it doesn't come off? Uh, the, off the spandex? Or the body. <laughs> well, yeah. I had, to, it, it, I had to sleep in it that night because it constricts. <gasps> you had to and sleep in it? Everyone was too drunk to cut it off. <laughs> yeah, you weren't letting anybody. The torso is not the area you let your buddy get near with scissors <laughs> drunk. Bro. It, <laughs> That's, it, yeah. it was... Yeah, it was, it was not a good, it was not, it was a great outfit. It was a bad morning. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause you had a piss. I'm sure. Oh Bro. man, dude. Did the stripes go across any hairy areas? No, no. L- luckily this one stripe was, uh, just on one of like my right leg, uh. just around like the calf area, but the, the top half. So like, it just couldn't, I couldn't get it off. Yeah. So. I, uh, on that uh, getting stuck to you topic and people here know you know, everybody here has been athletic or are athletic at this point in time. Those rubber stretch bands, right? They're about two inches wide. They come in like different colors for the amount of, you know, resistance Tension. that there are. Yeah. I want to punch the person that thinks it's a good idea to put those around my fucking calves and do like those leg spreaders. As it rips everything out of my legs, rolls up into my knee crease, it shreds everything on your body every time you put it on. Yeah. Yeah, we're tights. No. Yeah. Yeah. You you should apologize to everybody for suggesting that. I have no business (laughs) in tights. Yeah, I mean, you got to do it by yourself with no one else around and never, ever take any pictures of it. But No way, man. It won't hurt. No, no, even CCT cam, TV cameras. No, you gotta no. make sure that you turn that off. Like you're about to rob the place. That's no, no one wants to see that. Your, I'm gonna rob your heart and soul by having to look at me do leg spreaders. I'm gonna steal yeah, your innocence. <laughs> you're yeah, your innocence. Yeah, you gotta, not you, we gotta have you do not like in any way you <laughs> expect either. You're gonna grow no. up and not even understand what happened. Yeah, it's just going to be one of those things where you're hit 40 and you're in therapy and you just can't really figure out why. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I was watching I this. I was watching the You have issues with the colors purple and gold. Oh, <laughs> yeah. You just life. freak out. Every time someone has a key fob, you're like, ah, what are you doing with that thing? Where are we going? 
<laughs> I love phobias attached to weird things in the past that we have no idea what they're from. Humans are fucking oh, just, yeah. they're mazes. It's amazing. The the places that we pop out as repercussions are amazing. Like a whack-a-mole. Huh. It's like a whack-a-mole. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And on the topic of hitting things, um, we're probably hitting a one hour mark. In fact, we are yeah. actually at one hour and 28 seconds. Fuck yeah. That's how you podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Kim, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, you're a fucking super cool dude. I want to give you a moment Thanks, to tell everybody where they can find you and what they can expect. Um, we're also going to put it in the show notes. And uh, of course, we're going to be sharing lots of stuff on social media as well. Do you remember Craigslist Misconnections? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I checked Craigslist Misconnections for about seven years in Kansas City. Most of the time, I wasn't even in Kansas City, so no one would have missed me anyway. But it always made me curious. And when people ask, where can you find me? I used to say Craigslist Misconnections. Uh, but I won't say that instead. Actually, uh, you can find me at Cam F Awesome everywhere because no one cares enough about me to try to take my name. Uh, I speak at schools and corporations. I speak on resilience, gratitude, uh, and dealing with hardships, as well as cultural competence. As captain of the USA National Boxing Team, I travel mm. to over 30 countries. I had to learn the do's and don'ts about each country to not make our teams look like idiots. So I learned a lot about traveling the world and cultural communication, and I've shared that in the workplace. Uh, also do stand-up, and check out my website, camfawesome.com. Yeah. That's the perfect thing. Gary, you Excellent. got anything you want to wrap up with? No. Uh, watch uh, on April 1st, Game Bread Boxing 4. It's an amazing card, and there's going to be a lot of showmanship. I think you'll enjoy it. Oh, the lineup is fantastic. It's, it's, it's not your grandpa's boxing. You know, there people are allowed to be individuals. Uh, it's a lot of MMA guys. Roy Jones Jr., believe it or not, is still fighting. Uh, I was just working with him. He looks phenomenal for 53. Makes me at 43 uh, feel like a piece of shit. Uh, because it is ridiculous <laughs> how that man can move. Um, and, uh, he doesn't look yeah. phenomenal for 53. He looks phenomenal. He just happens to be 53. Exactly that. Think yeah. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah. I'm no. with you on that. And he's a speed guy, too. So usually, you know, the George Foreman's, the big burly, you know, power guys, they could fight when they're 50. The speed guys usually can't. But this guy is fast as fuck still. That's how good he is. Yeah. yeah. Tell him about the rest of the card, dude. Jeremy Stevens versus Jose Aldo is going to be fucking fireworks. Uh, Jack Ray. Uh, versus Vitor Belfort, uh, Pro Gonzalez, and Gina Mazzani. Um, they just signed Joe Riggs. Uh, I forgot who he's fighting, uh, but it's it's they're taking the most exciting MMA people and and just letting them go in there and throw their hands and try to put some entertainment back in boxing. Um, Jorge Masvidal started, you know, in backyard boxing with Kimbo Slice when he was a teenager, and uh, it's one of those guys that just stayed. You know, just relevant, relevant, relevant. And everyone thought he would be like a journeyman type at one point in his career. And then he fucking turned it on and started whipping everybody's ass. He was just biding his time. And, uh, you know, the, the guy is, he's pretty amazing to watch him maneuver and work. And, uh, you know, he wants to, uh, you know, give people what they want. 
And I think these, these, these cards are going to be good. And there's a lot more coming behind it. Um, boxing's always fucked itself. So outside people are getting involved now that love it and just didn't want to watch it continuously, you know, just be, yeah, just run by the same people. It's like our government. You got two sides running it and you have to pick one lesser of two evils. It's pretty much how boxing's always been two to three sides control everything. They don't get along. They're selfish and they never give the fans what they want. Now other people have some money and some power and they're getting involved. So game bread, watch it. That's fucking so badass to me because that means they're going to go out and just be wars. All out wars are wars. the fucking best. Yeah, they, they will yeah. be, they will be technical, but they will be wars. And some, you know, some of the, the people on the card are getting up there a little in age, but I've been spending the last couple months following them around to their training camps. And, uh, you know, one thing I could say is they're all training much smarter, um, you know, than the old iron sharpens iron methods. You know, they do tons of recovery. There's science involved. They know how to train. They know how to listen to their bodies. Like they're, they're well-oiled machines. Now they don't just go and spar for eight hours a day until they're all beat to shit. Like the old timers did, like, you know, at thirties, five to 40, you know, which a lot of them are, they're in better shape than any 25 year olds that lived 10 years ago. So. It's, it's impressive. It's very impressive. Um, I've learned a lot about it over the last couple of months, and I'm telling you, I've I love the fact that um, that it's no holds barred. It is. It's uh, you know, I spent the last 20 years in MMA. Boxing was my first love. I've dabbled in you know boxing jobs throughout you know my career. You know, top rank here or you know HBO there. You know, for a few days. In, uh, you know, I've, I've always loved it. Been working with Stitch Duran, doing his documentary for the last three years. Uh, the guy's a legend. So I've been finally being able to work, you know, with boxing, which is what I wanted to do my whole life. And uh, it's with really good people. So you know, it's kind of it's a long time coming, but the right time now. So hope uh, hope a lot of people Boy, that watch. It's familiar. gonna be dope, and I want to keep doing it. Yep, long Sorry. time coming, Same. and here it is. It's what you wanted from day one. It's amazing how that works out. We're uh, we're just big. Kids. Yeah, we live like uh, we live like opposite lives. I wanted to get into boxing, so I've been doing entertainment. You wanted to do yeah. entertainment, so you've been doing boxing. Now yeah. here we meet. And one fun fact: we're both born on August sixth. If your Wikipedia is correct, oh, I'm sixteen. Oh, read it wrong. Wow, close, close though. Uh, Ten days. They got you. Got to yeah. call Wikipedia because they got that shit messed up. It said Rob, six, also, uh, in my Wikipedia, it says that. My parents abandoned me after I came out of the closet to them. <laughs> and also, I'm married to Jasmine. No last name, just Jasmine. So the, the uh, rice. when I speak at schools, when I speak at schools, probably the rice, carbs. When I speak at schools, <laughs> kids just go and update my Wikipedia because they can. Oh, uh, as they should. As they oh, should. Because it's what I would do, too. So 100%. Like, that's, All right. That's, that's the same birthday. Yeah. That is how we should live our lives. Because... <laughs> yeah. You know, worshiping carrots is just as fucking important as how many things I did one way. You know, like I was a boxer. I'd rather have somebody putting in there that I run around with rubber gloves on my head and pretend to be Howie Mandel from the fucking 80s. <laughs> like, I'd rather have that situation on my Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you. We'll leave everything where people can find you. Um, you got to... 
you got an open invite. If you ever want to come back, um, we I'll take that up on you. I'll take you up on that. Glad you're back. Thank you for taking the extra effort to be on here from uh, from travel. I appreciate. I wasn't gonna it. miss this one. Uh, he wasn't. Thanks for being here, Gary. Genuinely appreciate and thank it. Thank you. All right. Remember, everybody, support us on show, social media. Make sure you download and subscribe. And uh, be cool and keep learning.